Chaf Elul, Chaf Shin, Ayin, Dalid. We are coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Yoni Genut <clears throat> off of his album Ot the Ot. Keter Milucha is the name of that one. And it is appropriate for our time of year. It comes from that piyut that we say on the Yamim Noraim on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. At least the Ashkenazim say it. I don't know about Eidot HaMizrach. Uh, we have a great show. Welcome, 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 one and all, to uh, the live edition of the Israel Show. We're here every Monday, immediately following JM in the AM, 9 AM Eastern, and 4 PM Israel time. And you can hear us at any time you like via the podcasts that are available through iTunes. Just uh, go in there and um, do a search for the Israel Show. You can hear the podcasts on your iPhone, on your iPad, on your iPod. And on your Android, on anything, you just got to subscribe. It's all free. Or, of course, you can just go online to NachamSiegel.com and um, where uh, you have on top a menu bar with listings for the different shows. Scroll down to the Israel show and you can listen to uh, this edition and all the editions of the Israel show and all the other great programming that you will hear on the Nachum Siegel Network. Did I mention my name is Mayor Weingarten and that I thank you very much for joining us. And as we are here live, it is, uh, makes it possible for us to bring you the latest news from Israel. Um, Yitzchak Chofi, not a name known by that many outside of Israel. Yitzchak Chofi passed away just a few hours ago. He was 87 years old. So who was he? He was a man who devoted his life to the security of the state of Israel. Um, probably most memorably as the head of the Mossad. And uh, during the Yom Kippur War, he was in charge, the general in charge of the Northern Command, which means the Golan Heights, which means he was right there at the cutting edge, if you will, of the um, the disaster, which was the first few days of the Yom Kippur War, where the Syrian army was literally um, gobbling up kilometers worth of the Golan Heights. Yitzhak Hofi, though, was remembered as one who had warned against and added, uh, asked and pleaded for help in the Miluim. Uh, he devoted his entire life, I said. He dropped out of high school and became a member of the Palmach. And then he joined, of course, the IDF when the state was founded, held many important positions in the IDF. Um, and during his tenure as the head of Mossad, he participated in the famous Entebbe rescue back in the day when uh, Israel did not negotiate with terrorists. So we remember today a man who um, we all owe a debt of gratitude to, Yitzchak Chofi, who passed away at the age of 87. Later on in the show, we have brand new music from Yehoram Gaon. That's right. Just released just released a few days ago. It's called Titkonen Ktsat Lastav, a beautiful song. We have a Meir Milim segment coming up. We'll tell you um, about why a leading... Reform rabbi decided to very publicly cancel his subscription to the New York Times and uh, lots of other great music, some of which will be, of course, relevant to the Amim Noraim. Coming up, a song from a new album, also recently released. You know, Pugi is a, a pop group in Israel that was extremely popular about 40 years ago and 30 years ago, but is still popular today. In fact, this past summer, when they had their reunion tour, which they claim would be the absolutely positively very last reunion tour, um, 
tens of thousands came out of all age groups because of the music of Poogie, the lyrics of Donny Sanderson mainly, and the great music of Poogie really has a cross-generational divide. And uh, many of us, I think, in our listening audience also love Poogie. Um, their first album was called Sipure Poogie, and it came out 41 years ago. Last year, on the 40th anniversary, Gali Tzahal asked some of Israel's cutting-edge musicians, artists, to record one song from that album. And they re-released just now the remake of Sipure Pugi, the exact album in the order that it originally appeared, but every song is uh, is done by a different Israeli uh, group. And we are going to share with you the classic Pokavur HaKelev, and it is done on this album by a group called Hatikva Shesh. I don't think you'll hear it in many other places uh, on this side of the ocean, but you'll hear it here. My name is Meir Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Pokavur Hakelev. Which means, uh, this, this is where, uh, this is, th- th- this is the essence of the item. This is where the, um, the bone lies, if you will. That was, uh, off of the remake of Sipure Pugi and, um, carried out by, uh, Tikvashesh. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, we mentioned that today is the, um, 20th day in the month of Elul. And I just want to mention that the 19th of Elul, two days ago, was the yard site. The 163rd yard site of uh, Rabbi Avram Shlomo Zalman Soref. I must admit that until about a week ago, I had never heard of Avram Shlomo Zalman Soref until I read a little piece about him in, uh, in one of the Israeli newspapers. And that it was his yard coming up. Well, if he lived, uh, he died 163 years ago. Uh, what's his relevance to us here right now? He was born in 1786. And, um, in 1810, in 1810, before Nefesh Benefesh, before the Jewish agency, before before you got any sort of rights as an Olechadash, he left Europe. He left Lita. And he made Aliyah as part of a group of the students of the Gra, the Gaon of Vilna, who were encouraged by the Gaon of Vilna not only to make Aliyah and live in Israel, but to build the land of Israel and to work it. It took them, by the way, how long did it take them to get from Lita to Israel when they made Aliyah? It took them, <laughs> it, it took them five months till they made their way and they found the boat and all this other stuff. In 1813, three years, well, actually about two years after he made Aliyah, he moved to Yerushalayim and he was very Active, he was a key player in the building of what we know as the Churvashul, which has just recently been totally reconstructed. It was destroyed in 1948 by the Jordanians, a massive building, the tallest building now in the old city. Shlomo Zalman Soref, Avram Shlomo Zalman Soref, was very active and involved in putting up that shul, he actually got permission. You needed to get permission. In those days, you couldn't just build a shul. You need to get permission from the rulers, the Muslim rulers of the land of Israel. In those days, it was uh, someone who lived in Egypt. And he went to Egypt, and he got the permission, and he went around collecting the money. And by the way, the reason his name is Avram Shlomo Zalman Tzoref uh, is because he was a jewelry maker, a Tzoref. He uh, dealt in silver. He worked uh, for a living, as was uh, the um, was the way of the Tamidei Hagra. And on Yutet Elul, 1851, he was killed. He was killed by an Arab because they didn't like the fact that a Jew 
was putting up a synagogue in the Jewish area of the old city of Yerushalayim. There was only the old city in those days. And when people try to maledict Israel and say that uh, the reason the Arabs hate us, the reason that there's radical Islam is because of occupation, all this other nonsense, just think back to Avram Shlomo Zalman Soref, who was killed 163 years ago because he was a Jew living in Yerushalayim. His his progeny went on to do great things. Tzoref, the name Tzoref was changed to Salomon and um, probably because Zalman, Shlomo Zalman and Zalman became Solomon and the family name of his progeny became Solomon and his grandson Harav Yoel Moshe Salomon was one of the founders of Petach Tikva, which is uh, pretty amazing. Went in the family footsteps, the famous song of Eric Einstein, Yoel Moshe Salomon, is about him. One of the Yishuv Hayashan, who were very involved in building, building the land of Israel. And another interesting piece of the puzzle about Harav Avram Shlomo Zalman Soref. When the state of Israel announces that there are so many and so many tens of thousands of victims of Arab terror and um, Jews or Israelis that fell in battle on Yom Hazikaron, the state of Israel, Ministry of Defense, usually announces that this year we are memorializing 22,000 and so on and so forth um, people who gave their life for the state of Israel, whether in the army, in the Palmach, in the Haganah, the Etzel, the Lechi, or were victims of Arab terror. When do we start counting those 22,000 and some odd people? Who's the first one? He is. Avram Shlomo Zalman Soref, who was killed on Yutet Elul by an Arab because he was a Jew who dared to live in Yerushalayim and build a shul 163 years ago. He's the first. That's where we start the count. Here's Ariel Horowitz, a song that his mother, Naomi Shemer, wrote. Very appropriate. Al Naharot Bavel, a modern version. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Shalai, 
with Chach uh, Tohavi. Before that, Ariel Horowitz singing a song of his mother's, one that his mother wrote. His mother was Naomi Shemer. The name of the album is Do You Can Me, The Portrait of My Mother. And that was Al Naharot Pavel. tells about uh, various different Israelis, uh, sort of stereotypical ones from the kibbutz, from the moshav, from the city, and so forth, who decided to leave Israel and uh, make their home in Chutz Laaretz, Al Naharot Bavel, on the rivers of Babylon. And if you're familiar with uh, some American pop culture and music, you will recognize embedded in that song a lot of um, hints to uh, a song by Don McLean, who is famous for American Pie. Well, he wrote a song called By the Waters of Babylon, and um, that song can be heard quite 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 obviously hints of that song are in in 
on the Howard Pavel, Ariel Horowitz. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. And speaking of people who left Israel, let's speak about people who are going to Israel. And uh, they do so via the great services, unprecedented, I would say, in Jewish history of Nefesh Benefesh. Nefesh Benefesh is an organization that is there for one purpose only, and that is to help people make Aliyah, help people uh, realize the dream of, of ages, the dream of the Jews throughout every generation was to go to the land of Israel. And here we are. We have the opportunity to do so. And we even have an organization who is committed and dedicated to helping us do so. They make each individual's aliyah as successful as possible through the different various services that they offer. And they, one of the great things, the charter flights, it's, it's just awesome. I mean, that's the most public thing. There are a lot of other things that they do that are very helpful, but the most public thing is these charter flights where they commission an El Al plane, and it's filled entirely with uh, Olim, people who are um, going, on, uh, going from the United States to Israel, making Israel their home. They come to Israel. There's a huge welcoming ceremony, huge welcoming ceremony on the other end, and um, it is just so emotional, emotional and beautiful. Um, Nefesh Benefesh has made Aliyah an in-thing for Jews in America. So for detailed information, visit their website, www.nbn, Nefesh Benefesh, nbn.org.il. The Israel Show is proud, proud to be sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh. In our Meir Milim segment, we shed light on a word or phrase in the Hebrew language. Meir Milim is inspired by the Galeit Sahal radio segments of Dr. Avshalom Kor and informed by the teachings of Dr. Lior Gottlieb. Previously, we explained that the word Tzohar, a window, Tzahorayim, noontime, and Yitzhar, oil, are related. They all have the letters Tzadiheresh, Tzahar, meaning light. A window lets light in. Noontime is when the sun is brightest, and oil has two connections. It has the bright yellow color, reminding us of the sunshine, and in ancient times, the most popular way of lighting up a room was by sticking a wick into oil and setting it on fire. Then we showed that in Hebrew, the letters Tzadi and Zion interchange, leading us from Tzadi Hey Reish, Tzohar, to Zion Hey Reish, Zohar, Zohar, which means glowing or shining, also related to light. Zohar, like Zohar, relates to light. And now we're all ready for the next exciting revelation. So is there a connection between Zohar, Zayin Heresh, meaning light, and these words from the Zmirot of Shabbat in Deror Yikra? Here it comes. The mazhir is one who warns. Be careful. The nizhar is the one who is accepting the warning and exhibits caution. Similarly, we find in another Zemmer for Shabbat day, Yonah. Zahir means careful. Everyone, parents and children alike, 
are careful to keep the Shabbat. Zehirim lishomro avotu vonim. Zehirut, zayin heresh, is caution. Lehazhir, an azhara, is to warn. You're telling someone to be cautious. Are all these forms of warning, of be careful, of caution, related to Zohar, which means light, illumination? Surprisingly, yes. Let's think about it this way. When you warn somebody, when you tell them, don't do this, you explain the difference between right and wrong. You show them the light. In effect, you're illuminating the correct path that should be taken and warning against the path that leads astray. You're also instructing them. And we have the same in English. When we teach somebody, we are Tro, Moshe's father-in-law, advises him to delegate, appoint judges, teach them the law, and let them handle all the small, easy cases. V'hizharta ethem et hachukim v'et hatorot. You, Moshe, should instruct v'hizharta, instruct them, enlighten them. So, Zohar is relating to light. Tzadi and Zion interchange, giving us Zohar and Zohar, which means glowing, illuminating, from which we get words of caution, Azharam, Mazhir, Nizhar, Hizahar, all meaning be careful, but originating from the concept that the Azhara instructs and illuminates our way, showing us the correct path to take and what to stay away from. And there is yet one more twist to this plot. Just like Sadi interchanged with Zion, so does Reish interchange with Lamed. On our next segment, we'll see how that brings us yet another set of illuminating words spun off of Tsohar. And that's this week's edition of Meir Milim segment. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Kolachai with uh, Dorori Kra coming off of our Meir Milim segment. Kolachai's music, by the way, is available on their website, kolachai.com. You can download uh, entire albums or uh, individual songs. Um, take a look. Go visit. You'll uh, meet the three uh, really interesting, wonderful people and uh, the music that they create. Um, my name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Coming up, a new song by Yehoram Gaon. Just released. We'll get to that next after we tell you a little bit about this story that was um, in Tablet Magazine, which is an online uh, magazine dedicated to uh, Jewish topics. It's written by Richard A. Block. Now, you have to remember that in the United States, the uh, numerically the largest uh, group of Jews are affiliated with the Reform Movement. And uh, Reform Jews are overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, I would almost say exclusively, but I, I, I don't think I could say that, but it's close. They're liberal. They vote Democrat. They probably are the big numbers that are are the explanation for the fact that some 80% of Jews voted for uh, President Obama in the uh, in the two elections that he ran they believe uh in most cases that Israel should uh, compromise with the Palestinians and that there should be a Palestinian state and so forth and so on but they are they are very zionist and they believe in the importance of the state of Israel. And um, Richard Block is a senior rabbi of Temple Teferth Israel Reform Temple in Cleveland, Ohio. He's also president of the rabbinic organization of the Reform Movement, which is called the Central Conference of American Rabbis. And uh, he's been the president since 2013, and he will be until 2015. Now, what is surprising is that he writes this article called Why I'm Unsubscribing from the New York Times. And I'll read you parts of it. Obviously, my question was why it took him so long. Uh, Most of the people that I know unsubscribed or canceled their subscription to the New York Times like 20 years ago. But I guess, you know, if you're a lifelong Democrat, as he writes that he is, and a political liberal or a former rabbi, and for four decades, he writes, until last week, he was a New York Times subscriber. So it's hard to wean yourself off. What drove me away, he writes, was the paper's incessant denigration of Israel, a torrent of articles, photographs, and op-ed columns that consistently present the Jewish state in the worst possible light. He admits this phenomenon is not new. Knowledgeable observers have long assailed the Times' lack of objectivity and absence of journalistic integrity in reporting on Israel. Now, I, I, I would add that we spoke in general about the lack of integrity of many or most of the journalists who were operating in Gaza and in Israel uh, during the last war and probably the previous wars as well. Um, Richard Block continues, My chronic irritation finally morphed into alienation and then to visceral disgust this summer after Hamas renewed its terrorist assaults upon Israel and the Times launched what can only be described 
as a campaign to delegitimize the Jewish state. The Middle East conflict, he writes, is complex, but the root cause of Israel's confrontation with Hamas is not. Hamas wants to obliterate Israel, and they write so in their charter. They're committed to kill all Jews everywhere. And that, I would say, is the reason that Richard Block can so uh, sympathize and empathize at this point with all of us who have been so anti the New York Times, because probably he probably would agree with a lot of what was written in the New York Times about what goes on in Yudan Shamron and about how Israel, Israel's quote-unquote occupation is terrible and how it has to end and how Israel's been in transit. It could very well be that he agrees with a lot of that. But here, as many of us saw, here it's such a open and shut case. Hamas wants to obliterate Israel. And they started, they started the war. It was quiet. There was nothing going on until they started shooting rockets into Israel. They baited Israel to coming into war. And that's probably what, what he, he is saying broke his, 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 his 40 year, uh, um, loyalty to the New York Times. He writes that the Times obsessive focus on Palestinian civilian casualties, especially children, publishing photos of their corpses and little else, as if they tell the whole story. The deaths of innocents in wartime are tragic and heartbreaking. They diminish us all. But a newspaper committed to balance and fairness would provide context and perspective. It would show traumatized Israeli children running to shelters, cowering, wetting their beds, and suffering nightmares. It would publish photos, well... Here I would add that it's very hard to show that, that the media can't really show, especially in a newspaper, kids suffering from nightmares. It doesn't photograph well. Little children being carried out of a bombed-out building in Gaza photographs very well. These things, traumatized children, don't photograph well. But, if, but of course, what we would expect would be that they would discuss it and they would not publish the other photos. He continues, it would publish photos and accounts of militants. I love, he, he uses the word militants here. Launching rockets from roofs of mosques, a church, and a media hotel alongside schools, refugee shelters, clinics, and hospitals, and of weapons concealed by Hamas in UN facilities. It would substantiate casualties figures from Hamas, which is known to have falsified them in the past before reporting them as fact. It would highlight Hamas's use of civilians as human shields. It's urging civilians to ignore Israel's advance warnings to depart so that Gazans would be killed and inflict PR damage on Israel. Such a paper would cover the threats of death that inhibited reporters and photojournalists from telling the true, full story. But the Times did not. And he ends his article by telling you that the straw that broke my subscriptions back came on August 19th, when Hamas violated yet another truce, sending a fusillade of rockets into Israel. The Wall Street Journal's headline read, Gaza rocket strikes end ceasefire. A U.S. State Department spokesman condemned the renewed rocket fire, holding Hamas responsible for causing the ceasefire to break down. The Times headline reads, quote, rockets from Gaza and Israeli response 
break cease fire, end quote. Seriously, asks Richard A. Block and all of us, seriously, a newspaper that cannot distinguish between starting a fight and defending oneself is intellectually deficient, morally obtuse, and profoundly unworthy of its readers. I know the times won't miss me, he writes. The feeling is mutual. Call Hakavod. It, it takes it takes a big man to get up and say I was wrong. I was um, sort of like backing the wrong side, and I understand that uh, I have to change. So call Hakavod to him. And and any listener out there, if you're subscribed to the New York Times, or you know anybody who's subscribed to the New York Times, just out out with the trash. As promised, <clears throat> excuse me, Yoram Gaon is out with a new uh, song, part of an album that he's working on with Amir Benayoun, melody and lyrics written by Amir Benayoun, a song that challenges us to confront the complexities of life. It's called Titkonen Tzatlastav, let's get ready for the autumn, when the beautiful sun and the heat start to diminish. Another week goes by and suddenly we are confronted by autumn and winter and so we have to do a cheshbon hanefesh. We have to be, we have to be retrospective, think about what, what happened to us in the past and where we're going in the future. Here it is, debuting on the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Weingarten. Thanks so much for staying tuned. Here's your Ram Gaon.
never disappoints you. Haram Gaon, brand new Titkonen Ktsat Lastav. Let's get ready for the autumn. And speaking of getting ready for the upcoming days, the Yamim Noraim that are fast approaching, we've uh, played over the last few weeks, I think, different versions, various versions of a piyut, which uh, the Ashkenazim don't say, but the Sephardim do say, and it is a very central part of the Sephardic liturgy on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. It's called Eight Sha'arei Ratzon, Lehipateach, or also known as Oked uh, Haneekad Vehamizbeach, talking about Akedat um, Yitzchak, the binding of Isaac. The Oked is Avraham Avinu, who binds Isaac. The Neekad is Isaac, Yitzchak, who is bound, and the Mizbeach. And we ask God to remember them all. Uh, when the gates of Rachamim are open, this version is by Lior Gad, and uh, we hope you enjoy it. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Yeah, I mean, Zeva, Behazovea, okay, Behanekad, Behanizbea. 
הרי רחמים לפתוח, הבן להיזבח והאב לזבוח. קובעים לאל וברחמיו לבטוח, וקובעי השם יחליפו כוח. דרשו בנחלת אל להסתפח, חוקד והנקד והמזבח. איך ינצא עולם באון וחיים? היה הכל יצחק כאוגדו עין, והיא מאור יומה בין המלאים, והמון מר נוזלים בחיים. We'll end off with the uh, with this song the Academy's thanks so much for listening to uh, the live edition this week's live edition of the Israel show thanks for all your Facebook likes and your comments thanks to the staff of the Nahum Siegel Network and my very special thanks as always to Nahum Siegel keep it tuned all day to the Nahum Siegel Network for great Music Monday Mix. Until next Monday, following JM and DAM, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.